1: Hello oh, and welcome to Numa Podcast with the Reverend Michelangelo Oguche, bringing your way today the inspired word of God, and I hope you will be blessed.
0: I am glad you are able to join Numa Podcast today. The key text for this podcast is. The book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12 to 17.
1: And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.
0: Join me, brothers and sisters, as I bring this podcast before the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you today for another privilege to be able to bring your word to the world. Lord, I ask, O God, that you inspire the sound of my voice today, even as I make myself available to you today. Lord, I pray that as we consider the irrationality of the blame game, that you will help us, O God, to understand where we stand in all of these things so that, Father, in the end, we will all be able to come to that place where we will take responsibilities for our actions instead of blaming other people for the things that are going wrong around us. All of this, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The title of this podcast is The Irrationality of Blame Game. The Irrationality of Blame Game. You probably have heard the axiom, the world is such a terrible place. The world is such a mess. And you know what? You are right. So right. But who gets the blame? And this is the question we will be dealing with today. An honest answer to this question is probably the answer that you need because that is, in my opinion, the correct answer. It is so easy to trade blames or simply play the blame game. Blame game cursed the two world wars and all the insurgencies, religious intolerance, and ignorance word over however for the bible believer the origin of blame game is rooted in the creation narrative in genesis chapter 3 verse 12 to 13 we read the man said the woman you gave me as a companion she gave me fruit from the tree And yes, I ate it. God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The serpent seduced me, she said, and I ate. What our ancestors were inferring here is this. The man said, God, you gave me this woman who is now a woe to me. God, You should have known better. And then it was the turn of the woman to respond. And she said, God, can you not see that the serpent you created is wise, clever, and more subtle than I? He made me do it. God, should you not have known about this trait? It is your fault that you let it happen. I'm not taking any of this blame. You see, my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, blame game is born out of our inherent and insatiable selfishness that continues to control our overpowering mindsets. This is why the Lord said in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 to 10, the heart hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. Because God is the creator of all things, He is not deceived by our incoherent excuses and lack of sincere responsibilities for our action and inaction. He understands before we blame others for actions that we clearly should have owned up to. Here is what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church. And this is in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse four to five. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never healthy or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges, and we'll hardly even notice when others do it wrong. That is love, and that should be the motivation of our actions as children of God. What is being said here is simple. When we understand the principle of love, I mean the agape love that is fashioned after God, we will love one another and when we love one another, we will care for one another and selfless when we deal with each other. This includes understanding the causes of frictions before they develop into crisis. Understanding the hazard as they develop before it becomes a problem. The simple way of doing that is when we look into our own selves so as to figure out whether we contributed or are contributing to the arising difficulty when we allow our irrationality to give way to spirit-led rationality love for our fellow creation happens selfishness gives way to altruism Let us take, for instance, the current global mess we call COVID-19 or coronavirus that has consumed everything along its way. In the tail end of 2019, the World Health Organization was alerted about a collection of suspected respiratory-related cases in Wuhan city, central China. Shortly after, the world began witnessing the escalation of the disease. However, in the midst of all these was the trading of blame between world powers, rather than attending to the devastating effect of the deadly virus. The question to ask then is this, what was the need for these uh, meaningless blame games? Couldn't they have gotten the handle of the matter better if they put aside the unnecessary wrangling between them? But no, the United States blame China. In return, China blames the United States. The United States blamed the World Health Organization and on and on the blame games amplified its tentacle among the Committee of Nations. Before we know it, people began to lose their lives, in their thousands. The high rate of broken homes today could easily be traced to the irrationality of blame games. Husbands blame the wives, and wives blame the husbands. Parents blame their children, and children blame their parents. At workplaces, we see employers blaming employees, government blaming citizens, and citizens blaming the government. So, it continues to create endless ripple effect on society at large. Our key text today seems to provide the solution to this superficial disharmony in our world. When we take a critical look at the passage, it is easy to understand that the apostle Paul rather than riding his high horse owned up to his dreadful character that he was prior to his encounter with Jesus Christ. If you study the life of the Apostle Paul, you will find out that before he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he was a man who took pleasure in wickedness as he selfishly seek out those who had different opinions about God so as to exterminate them. You find this reference in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. But now, an experienced and spirit-filled man, he learned the act of not blaming others and taking responsibility for his former self. He did that by acknowledging the work of Jesus Christ in his life. And that was why, in writing to Timothy, he acknowledged first what was done. He said, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service.
1: This is NUMA Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche. God bless you. Keep listening.
0: Rather than exhibiting the sense of entitlement as we sometimes do, Paul wholeheartedly showed gratitude to God for the fact that he was considered trustworthy of the grace of God that sets him free in the first instance. Once you consider yourself undeserving, you will never be selfish again because you know You are not better than the other and therefore would not blame others for your own lack of the sense of responsibility. In verse 13, we begin to understand why Paul was grateful for the privileged when he said, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. It's not so easy for people to own up today. It's not even so easy for people to acknowledge that they lived in sin before and that they have given their life to Jesus Christ. They think sometimes people just act as if they were just created so perfectly. But it's not the case with the Apostle Paul. As I mentioned earlier, he acknowledged his past and owned up, not blaming another for his past. The Apostle Paul employed the most vicious language of the day in a sadistic manner to convey the gravity of who he was. Unlike Adam and Eve, Paul made no excuses for his mistakes. He embraced it and that was the beginning of his selflessness. Verse number 14 is even more dramatic as he writes, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here, the apostle stated unapologetically the reason for his lack of selfishness. He describes the immeasurable grace that was emptied on him. You cannot have had a divine shower and remained the same. The road to freedom is not by transferring blames to another. The child of God must experience the real grace of God to come to that place where he or she can be emptied of the inherent selfishness. Eve and Adam were selfish and wanted to be like God. That's Genesis chapter 3 verse 5. But of Jesus Christ, the Bible said, that's in John chapter 15 verse 13, greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are expected to learn from his example of selflessness, that is, to love one another enough to the point of laying down our lives. If only us would understand the place where the other person is standing, if only us will understand what it is like at the other side, if only the people of this world would stop feeling the sense of entitlement, the world we live in today will be a better place. Brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ makes all the difference when He shows up in your horizon and when you let Him into your life as Apostle Paul did, He will take away that inherent narcissistic uh, predisposition and make you new again as He intended. The next two verses, 15 and 16, are powerfully insightful. Paul writes, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patient as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. In these verses, he gave us a hint that something significant is to follow, a fundamental doctrine, something we can rely on that is to say that Jesus Christ and entire mission in coming to this world was to do but one thing, to save those that are blind, those who are lost, those who are condemned to hell because of their hostility. God and now has become the object of God's mercy which was evidently demonstrated in his own life for all to see and that was in a way what made him the undisputed poster boy of divine mercy. Brothers and sisters, this mercy is still available today this mercy can change you to become a responsible individual for the glory of God. Verse number 17. Now, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In this last verse of our key text, Today is the Apostle Paul's signature tone of statement of acknowledgement of the true identity of the one true God. What is coming so clear here is the fact that throughout this reading Paul remembered what he was before Jesus Christ came into his life and all that Jesus Christ did for him. All things considered, Paul praised the Lord with such a vigor, such power, such testimony of a transformed life that is an example for every believer in Christ Jesus. The point of this podcast today is this. The world was created perfect until the selfishness of Adam and of Eve led them to align themselves with the elusiveness of the old devil. And ever since then, we have all continued to be selfish, which in turn lead us to feel entitled than the other, forgetting that, like the Apostle Paul, we once lived in sin until Christ Jesus came, and we are now saved by the grace of God the amazing grace of God once we understand these we will be able to own up and take the blame instead of apportioning it to others needlessly In my private prayer time, I often pray a prayer that begins like this. Lord, please deliver me from myself as I am my own worst enemy. Now, that is owning up. We must own up to the situation we find ourselves. Look deeper into what is happening around you. You will find that you have a hand in it. Remember the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 to 7? It says, God spoke to Cain. Why this tantrum? Why the suckling? If you do well, will not you be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce it out to get you. You have got to master it. And this is God saying to Cain, here God is simply saying to Cain, the murderer, that there was no need to be worried and that he must take responsibilities instead of playing an irrational blame game. In the same way, we all need to take responsibility for what happens or what is happening around us. As citizens, we need to learn to contribute positively for the good of the nation. As family units, every member needs to contribute their little bits and that will make a whole lot of difference. And let me conclude today by retelling the popular story of everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. You may have heard this story before. There was an important job to be done. And everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it. But nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that. Because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. This story appears confusing, but the rationality is clear. No one took responsibility, so nothing got accomplished. The four characters, namely everybody, somebody, anybody and nobody traded blames for a simple job that was left undone. The next time you hear the question, what's wrong with the world? The world is such a terrible place. The world is in such a mess. Ask yourself, what have I contributed? Have I done my own part? If not. You need to know that you are a part of what is wrong with the world. Instead of playing the irrational blame game, do the right thing. Do your part. Reach out to people. Share the word of God with people. Share the love of God with people. And that will make the world you and I live in a better place. Let us stop playing the blame game. Let us consider our own part in the world that God has created and make it a better place. Let us pray again. Divine Father, I thank you once more for this time with my brothers and sisters around the world. Lord, I pray that we will understand this irrationality of the blame game and turn a new leaf today, so that even in our homes, in our families, at workplaces, and around the world, wherever we find ourselves, let us become the spirit-filled, rational human beings that God has created us to be. Lord, I thank you because I know each time that we ask you, you are always there to listen. You are always there to answer and I thank you today that you have answered us again in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and soon coming King. Amen.
2: god in every circumstance you are god in what seems like happenstance